Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student. Now, this episode is actually a replay of a live stream I did a couple of weeks ago with two of my friends, Jamie Miles and Simon Clark, both of whom have excellent YouTube channels that also have videos on how to study more effectively. So uh, in this particular stream that we did, we tackled the topic of how to become an adult, quote unquote. So we took questions from people in the live chat on how to uh, deal with the fear of failure, how to uh, figure out what to do with your life. And uh, it's one of the longer episodes that you'll see on this podcast because we ended up streaming for almost two hours. So if you weren't in the stream, this replay is for you. And if you want to get notified uh, for future live streams that I'm going to do, potentially with Simon and Jamie or with other people, you can subscribe to the email newsletter which you can find over at collegeinfogeek.com slash book. When you sign up, you can also get my free book on earning better grades. And if you haven't taken a read of that yet, you might enjoy it. So check that stuff out. Also, you can find links to Simon and Jamie's channels along with a link to a video version of this replay if you want to watch it on YouTube over at the show notes, which you can find at cigpodcast.com. Find the episode 77 link on the page and you will find that summary, those links and ways to subscribe, rate and review the podcast if you would like to support it and also get new episodes delivered to the device of your choosing every single week. So let's get into the replay. And we are live. Hello, everyone in the chat. Can you comment saying that we are live just so we know and we're not being really paranoid and thinking that this isn't going live, please? Oh, there's probably a delay, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. I think there's like usually a 20 second delay or something like that. I don't know. Still says starting soon. Okay, well, I mean, according to me, it's live, so let's just assume that I'm right, and we'll, we'll go for that. That normally works out pretty well. Uh, hello, everyone. Hello. Uh, if you're new to this channel, my name's Simon. Uh, I, am, I am the Simon of Simon Oxfizz. And, oh, and I am now getting the feedback from the main page. Good. <laughs> this is great stuff. <laughs> you got to remember to mute it, man. I, well, I couldn't, because like the mute context menu hadn't, oh. hadn't come up. Right, okay. So, hello, welcome to the stream. I'm Simon. Um, we are doing this live stream on the subject of how to adult, which is the very, very internet title that I've given this thing. It's basically going to be talking about like adult skills, life skills, uh, possibly study skills. If, like me, you're an older student. Um, pretty much anything, really. This is going to be quite a broad a broad topic live stream. We're going to hopefully go for 90 minutes, uh, and we're going to go for 90 minutes because... People are watching this all over the world. Some people are in um, America. Some people are in Africa. I think we've actually got about four continents represented at the moment. Really? Um, but yeah, we've got New Zealand. Yeah. We've got Singapore. We've got LA. We've got Barbados, Algeria. Uh, yeah, we've got so we've got some awesome international people watching. But Ireland. That's amazing. Yeah, I see Ireland, Ireland. chat here. What's up, man? But here uh, in the UK, it is one thirty in the morning, and uh, I, I was going to ask I, you guys, I, how are you going to bed? I'm all right, actually. <laughs> I, I feel like my, my degree has given me a fair experience of late nights and, and doing things later than I probably should. Ja- Jamie, how are you doing? <laughs> I had a cheeky nap earlier. So we had a friend's oh. birthday meal. Um, and I've got to say, I was so exhausted after having the third course. 
uh, I had just like a food coma, so I went to bed <laughs> for like 30 <laughs> minutes and then woke up. And I was like, yeah, I feel great now. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so uh, this is already kind of spoiled the next bit that I was going to talk about. I wanted to introduce the fellow people on the stream. So uh, I, uh, as I said before, I'm Simon. I'm a PhD student at the University of Exeter. Uh, and I, that's all I'll say about me, actually. Jamie is a friend of mine from Oxford. We both went to Oxford to do our undergraduates. Uh, Jamie, do you want to say a bit about what you're doing at the moment? Yeah, sure. So the main context is how to adult. So I talk about my adult life, I guess. Um, so I did philosophy, politics, and economics, and then graduated last year. And I've been a proper adult in to the world of work um, since then. So I'm now head of a particular wing within a tech startup. Um, so the whole like idea of being financially independent and moving out and going into the working world and how to navigate that space, uh, I guess that's what I'll be representing as, as part of this conversation. And then on the other on the other flank of this military formation of adulthood, we've got newcomers to this channel. We've got we've got Tom Frankly. Do you want to say briefly what you're all about? Yeah. So I did not go to such a prestigious university. Um, I'm in Iowa, which is the middle of the U.S., and I went to Iowa State University. Graduated in a program called Management Information Systems, basically computers plus business. And now I run my YouTube channel, which is about basically how to study and learn better. Um, and I just take questions from students and make videos on them. And then I also do podcasts, one of which is about personal finance. So I suppose how to adult is a topic that I like to cover as well. But you actually contributed to the YouTube channel How to Adult. I did. Um, <laughs> recently. Yeah. So you're, you're literally like our in-house expert. This is great. Um, <laughs> I, know I, mean, I, I should point out, like, I feel like this is very much a Holmes and Watson type scenario. I very much feel like you two are professional adults. And I, as, an, <laughs> as a PhD student, I'm like a man-child, basically. Like, I haven't had to deal with a lot of aspects of the real world yet, like taxes and, you know, like working for a company. Well, one of my friends just got married, um, so oh. in my eyes, I'm still a gigantic child. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, wait, no, I need to get married and get a mortgage, and then I can have a conversation with them. <laughs> it's I like, you know, you skate need... park, so in my <laughs> mind, I'm still like 14. Great. So <laughs> this is maybe a point to start off with is the fact that like you, we are all adults. Like we're all 20. How old are you? How old? Because you're 23, Jamie. I'm 22. 22. And and Tom? I'm 24. Okay, so we're 24. Jamie's 22. We are adults in like the in the law, I, I'd assume all over the world by now, but for goodness sake, one of us started our day at the skate park. Like, <laughs> you never truly leave your childhood behind, I think, is the message to take away from that. No, it is true, yeah. First lesson, never leave your childhood behind. It just gets boring if you don't. It does. Growing old is compulsory, growing mm. up is not. There you go. That's, that's a soundbite. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to be taking questions from the live chat on the topic of basically anything to do with adulthood. Does anyone have anything that they'd like to pick out immediately, or should I just pick one? I need to look over here because this is a problem with two monitors. I have you guys over here, and then the chat is way over there. Oh my god, this I is such personal problems. <laughs> <laughs> I have to turn my head. <laughs> it's tough. It really is. Actually, I can just move the window size and see what we got here. Do we have questions yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's a question from Ricardo uh, that's caught my eye. Um, is it better to start by my own after college, or shall I get a job first? So is he talking about starting a company? Yeah, so it is ambiguous. So I guess most relevant to this conversation would be, yeah, should I start my own thing or should I get a job first? 
I have a lot of thoughts on that uh, question. But... Thomas, yeah, <laughs> Thomas Frank, Mr. Uh, yeah, entrepreneur. So, um, do you want to take this? Yes. Uh, I have to. I have to preface this that I'm coming from the position that I have never had a full-time job that has not been an internship. Um, I did a full-time job as an internship after my sophomore year, and then I transitioned into doing my own thing right after my senior year. So... I did go do my own thing immediately after college, but it's because it made sense. I was building my thing all through college. I had built the income midway through my senior year. And by the time my senior year ended, I was like, okay, this could be a job. But midway through my senior year, you know, even before, uh, right around Christmas, I think, it was making money, but not enough to live on. And I fully intended to go find a full-time job. So the question of whether you should try to start your own thing or whether you should go work for somebody has a lot of caveats and you need to figure out what's my financial situation, essentially what's my runway. It's very tough to build a full-time income on your own as a first-time entrepreneur. And if you don't have a runway to support yourself, then you're kind of throwing in with the sharks, essentially. Um, there's also the fact that there's like, you can get so much experience working with somebody else. So... I don't know if you have a huge runway and you have an idea that you think is marketable i'm never going to say don't go for it but there's definitely merit in going and working for somebody else getting that experience and building at least a bit of a runway that you can use to to live off of once you have an idea i mean jamie you're, you're working in a startup right now yeah so, do you know what your founder's um, so story was i'm i sorry what was the question do you know what your founder's story was like like how big his runway um, was did he yeah, get investors or um so the co-founders were all from Oxford, and they founded the company while still studying at Oxford, and they saw this big gap in the market, and then they started setting it up. They got seed funding, which was basically the one runway. So we got like 250,000 pounds to start up and get the proof of concept up and running. And then after that, January of this year, so two and a half years later, uh, we've got our Series A of investment, which is like your first big round of money you get. Um, and that's enough to sustain the company to for us to grow from 12. Now we're at 60. Wow. Um, and we have to move offices because we're sitting on each other's laps. <laughs> um, so we'll be moving in two weeks uh, to a very exciting new location, uh, which will be very cool. I am more of the opinion that you can start your own thing if you have like set it all up and it's financially viable and you're happy with that risk. Because it is a risk. Mm. Um, because everything, the buck stops with you is a great expression here. You don't have the financial security. So it completely depends on what do you find stimulating in life. I very much like, and I think Thomas would uh, uh, agree with the sentiment, I like being in charge of my own thing and knowing that all the input I put in, the impact will come out at the end. And it also mm. gives you the freedom to live your life how you want to live it, as opposed to having it dictated to you and prescribed by an organization. Organizations obviously vary in how much they do that. But so my take on this was I want to maximize my learning as much as possible. And I was like, I can do my own thing. I'll learn a hell of a lot. But doing my own thing will limit the people I get to surround myself with. So I'm sort of, I'm working in a startup whereby I get to work with insanely talented people. Like one of our investors was the head of Google Europe. And I get to have one-on-one -on -one time with him. If I worked at Google, which was my other offer, would never have got that. Um, and then I also work on my side project um, in my spare time to create a form of passive income. And if that takes off, great. If it doesn't, well, I get best of both worlds and I also get to control my freedom, which is, I guess, the broader conversation to pin this uh, discussion on is what do you want from life? What lifestyle do you want? And then 
try and build a world around what your end goal is. Yeah. So a, a, a pertinent question here, as uh, just uh, a few people have been asking, uh, Tom, what do you what do you mean by runway? I think I think there's a few bits uh, of entrepreneurship. Startup, startup buzzword. <laughs> uh, so a uh, runway is essentially. <laughs> we get a bingo card. <laughs> yes, we'll get the startup bingo card. You can circle runway. It's in the top left corner. A runway is essentially a number of months worth of living expenses that you have on hand. So. If you're gonna if you're gonna quit your job or you're gonna graduate college immediately to start try to start a company, you need to say, okay, I've got six months worth of living expenses. I have a six month runway. At which point my startup needs to take off and have wings of its own. Which at which point it needs to be making enough money that it can support me. Otherwise, I'm moving back in with mom and dad. One thing I just thought of: you guys have a different situation with student debt than I have over here, right? Very. Yes. So oh, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But what I have heard about the UK is if if you have student loans ah. and you grab, did you just like cut your finger or something? <laughs> no, there's an there's an ant that just dropped on me <laughs> from the sky, and I have no idea why. Wait, there's check check, check your sofa for Paul Rudd. Is Paul Rudd on you anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can find him. He's on my trousers. He's gone molecular, or he's gone subatomic. He's, he's yeah. gone <laughs> you guys will not be able to see the ant. But yeah, so the situation is it possible for you to explain the situation in America and then we'll spay the differences. Okay, so yeah. I, I want to see if I'm right here. I want to see if I understand this correctly. What I've heard about the UK is that you take student loans and there's like a certain limit on how much a university can charge for tuition, but the big part is once you graduate, your loan payments can never be more than like 9% of your or 19% of your income. Is that correct? That's the correct idea. I can't remember the exact percentage that it's capped at. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I had a so UK there's a cap who... on how much tuition can charge, and then there's also a cap on how much money they can take from your pay packet, and there's a threshold for how much you need to be earning before they are allowed to take anything. And right. It's in the twenties of thousands of pounds. That's what I've heard. I think it's like um, yeah, twenty something thousand pounds you have to be making before your payments even yeah. start. So that is not. The and case it's also worth pointing out. It's also worth pointing out that probably our total student debt is probably significantly lower than mm, many students yes. in America. I yeah. mean, I owe, I, I can't remember the exact figure off the top of my head because like, it's depressing, but I owe, it's, it's between 10 and 15 grand for my university education. And you're a PhD. Yeah, I mean, well, with my PhD, I'm funded. Like, I, I get a wage to okay. do my PhD. Yeah, I, I interviewed somebody who is a prof- or was a tenure professor and went through PhD programs, and she said, like, if you are a high-scoring student you should not have to pay for your PhD. But that doesn't stop a lot of American students from paying for the PhDs. Uh, But even like with undergrad, the average student's graduating with $30,000 in debt. And while the federal government does have some protections, like you can switch to an income-based repayment plan where your initial payments are lower, you can sometimes defer. If you have private loans, it's just like a regular loan, right? They're going to be coming after you. So that's my perspective with the importance of a runway because a lot of students are graduating with debt that has to be paid back. Yeah. I mean, in the UK, we have a, basically then the guarantee of a grace period where okay. you know, you're not going to have people coming after you. You know, you have a period where if you're not being successful, you're not being made to hand over money, which is, yeah. I mean, I prefer that. I prefer being in that system personally. I think that this is a beautiful segue to a different discussion, which is about should I go to university and the whole idea mm-hmm. of debt and what that actually means. And to start this discussion, I want to, being the guy who did a bit of the economics, good debt versus bad debt. Bad debt is from a loan shark where they will break your legs if you don't pay it back and there's an interest rate of 40% or something or like 250 or something crazy. Good debt is something that you 
take a loan out, it has a decent interest rate, so it's like it's reasonably small, and there are potentially these grace periods, and it's an investment in yourself to ultimately earn more money and be able to live a richer life afterwards. That's like the two ideals in my head of good debt and bad debt. I think university, at least within the UK, um, and the system that we have here with loans, is far closer to this whole good debt ideal than it is the bad debt ideal. Discuss. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> I used to be in this, like, right when I graduated university, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to pay off my loans before graduating, so I kind of took on this, like, yeah, no I saw your debt. book post. On that. Yeah, so I mean, that was awesome. So it became like this no debt ever, debt's bad thing kind of mindset. And now it's become yeah. more nuanced where I've realized that good debt kind of makes the world go round. Good debt enables yeah. things to happen that would not have happened otherwise because you can allocate capital from one place to a more promising place. It's investment. Mm. So when the question comes to should you go to college or not, I think for one, it's more nuanced than just should I take on a ton of debt or should I just not go to college? There's a lot of cheaper colleges <clears throat> and scholarships out there. But I think that... For the vast majority of people, the structure and the more concentrated dose of connections and opportunities that college provides is generally useful. And at least in the U.S., we have data that backs up people who go to college make more as long as they graduate. Yeah, and that's backed up by, by the U.K. I mean, there's, there's there's plenty of evidence, which I've been repeatedly shown. Uh, I think the far higher you go in the education chain, uh, the more you get shown this, this data that uh, the higher your level of education, the more you will earn over the course of your career, even though you're working for fewer years. Mm. Um, though it's obviously, it's also worth pointing out that the difference, there's a difference between institutions in America and institutions in the UK in that in the UK, your tuition fees are basically flat across every institution. Um, yes. There are a few institutions which won't charge £9,000 a year, but basically everywhere does, whereas in America, I think it, it varies pretty substantially, doesn't it? Yeah, if you want to go to where I went to school, it would cost, I believe, about $7,000 a year for tuition in the, any right. normal major. But then you can go to somewhere like Harvard, and if you don't get a crazy aid package, you're paying thirty grand per semester or something like that. Yeah, so, it's insane. And there's little pri yeah. tiny private liberal arts colleges here in Iowa that are nearly as prestigious that are still charging the same thing. So I think the a lot of people get caught up in that. The other thing that I think is becoming amazing with education is that there is so much available online. I mean, this YouTube video is an example of free content that you guys yeah. can watch to learn about stuff. And I did the CS50 course at Harvard all online in computer science for free. Um, and it was done, it was the exact same lectures that the other people were getting for the computer science 101 with the exact same problem sheets and all of that is just available to you so this is another potential avenue um to get all of the qualifications that you want without actually having to pay any money yes. and you guys well this generation is an insanely privileged position because it's equalizing us so much more with this power of technology to know that wherever you are in the world as long as you have an internet connection the person who comes from a family that has inherited wealth for the past 10 decades 10 generations is in the same position as the guy or the girl who lives in the rural village um, in Algeria. Yeah, it's and it's crazy. I mean, there's also something to be said, I think, for the experience of going to university and having an intense educational experience. I mean, I, I do, I completely agree with the nature of democratizing education by the internet. But I don't think that there's any way that I could have got the education I did at university uh, through learning remotely. I just don't think that the system, especially the tutorial system, which we went through, um, it's such an intense process that I, I think the only way to get that is through university still. Um, I mean, I don't know. Would you disagree with that? 
No, I think that online education augments and complements in-person university education. There are definitely people that can get all they need from the internet, but I think that for the most part, they're the kind of people who would have figured out how to do it before the internet. Like there are outliers, just like people who are going to figure things out for their own. And I think for the most part, like it is very beneficial to have a curriculum and to have people to guide you into internships and opportunities. Like this is I also have opinions on this. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I seem to have, I'm just having lots of opinions uh, so far. So uh, I see education as doing three things at the moment. One being building community, so your interaction with other humans. The another one being you actually learning academic things, so the hard, like your sciences, your maths, your English literature, etc. And then the third thing is preparing you to be a member of your society. So the social norms that your society holds, whether it be to open doors up for people or whether it be to pay your taxes or anything like that, just core values you need to make sure that your country as a whole runs smoothly. Um, and I completely agree with Thomas Frank that I should stop calling you by your full name with Tom, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, that online education is definitely augmenting this on the academic side, potentially also on the community side because you can connect with people previously you couldn't connect with, but it's a different form of connection. This yeah. is not the same as if we we're all sitting in the room together. And then also the social conditioning side of things, it being online means that you there are no borders, really. So you get to have this greater awareness as to how different people interact with one another, and it questions all your assumptions that your society is originally trying to give you to make sure things run smoothly. Like, if you go to Japan, you'll discover... Um, like there are loads of weird social quirks, um, like bowing and. Uh, There's actually a question make... on that on that front, by the way, Jamie. Uh, Brian Richard uh, Bergun asked earlier, "Is that a, a yukuta? Uh, yukuta? Oh that yeah. Right? So this is what Tom mentioned earlier. So this is so I'm not wearing a yukata, but very well observed. Um, you can't actually tell from this just shot here. I'm actually wearing a jinbei." which is um, the short-sleeved and short-trousered version of a yukata, and they normally wear it during the Japanese summer festivals, and I bought it when I was in Tokyo, because the person I was working with was a geisha and also owned a shop that sold yukatas and jinbei. Oh, nice. So I'm the only person in the stream that hasn't been to Japan. Both of you yes, have you been. Like, what is wrong with you, Simon? <laughs> you need to go. <laughs> no. <laughs> so we had some other questions in here. I'm actually like, it's a little bit stressful because there's so many questions that are just like zooming by. Oh, I wish there was like a question other live streams, seriously. <laughs> yeah. So there was one, I think Felipe asked, uh, how important is it to start investing in financial markets? That sounds adult-like. <laughs> oh, that's very adult. Uh, I can break yeah, down I, I, my I investments <laughs> and other things. Yeah. So, yes, it is. <laughs> That's the short answer. <laughs> I'm only um, Go on. So I guess the, uh, the question we should answer is not really, should you start investing? It is how should you start investing? Uh, I don't know how it differs for you guys. So I'm just going to kind of like give the version that I know. Um, the sooner you can start investing, the better. That being said, I think it's generally a good idea to wipe out your debt first, unless you have insanely cheap debt. Like if you've got, a 3% student loan, which I did have due to like a, I think it was like an eight year gap where Congress made these ridiculously cheap student loans. But for most people, they're paying like 6.8% interest. So pay those off first. Um, at that point, I usually tell people to build up a 
emergency fund of like maybe two to three months expenses that you have in a not like risky place at all savings account. And from there find index funds or just very like, I don't know. Index funds are basically funds that follow the entire stock market. So they don't have people trying to like figure out little niches of places where they're potentially going to get a better return or trying to game the market. It's literally just following the entire market. And there was some research done which showed that like 85% of all fund managers don't perform as well as just following the index. So most of my money is in the Vanguard index fund. And I just have a system that automatically takes money from my bank account every month and shoves it in there. I don't make the decisions. I can't decide that, oh, I'm going to buy a skateboard this month instead of investing. It just happens. So that is my advice. Find an index fund that has low fees, set up automated investing once your debt is gone and once you have an emergency fund. This is way more adult than anything. I've done. I'm literally taking <laughs> notes. Uh, this is this is a, a, a advanced adulting right now. Um, I mean, there's just so, like silence. I'm like, oh man, yeah. I just put them all to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Wine jokes, anybody? Yeah, can we just point out the fact that Tom is is drinking wine casually for this? I, I saw the bottle. I'm drinking milk. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've, I've been. Well, we've all been drinking tonight actually, because uh, we, we, I, I almost forgot that this was happening. So I was having a few beers earlier, and I had a scotch that I just finished before this. So, nice. I have yeah. some scotch downstairs. I kind of want that now. It's weird to think that you guys have already experienced your night. And like, well, we're experiencing. I mean, you are experiencing, but like your evening has been experienced, and I am just getting into it now. Yeah. That's I mean, Jamie's already in his pajamas. It's true. The internet like, is a weird thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for some people, people are watching us, uh, uh, you know, and it's like the first thing in the morning as well. We've got like this global reach this is this is so so cool to see everybody here on this on this live stream this is absolutely amazing from our perspective or from mine anyway yeah Um, i think about the internet just kind of blows my mind there was a question from shivani earlier which um i thought was um i think one that everyone can relate to which was asking how do you how does she get experience to actually get a job seeing as many jobs ask for experience uh in order to get it this is an amazing question i want to let you guys go first though because I just okay, like Jamie, one hundred year long rant about investing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, sorry. What was the question? It was about experience, sorry. right? Yeah. Asking how do you get experience to get jobs that ask for experience? Oh, interesting. Uh, this is from Shivani, right? Okay. Yeah. How do you get experience? Um, so how I got experience um, to get a job um, was I did loads of side projects. So. Um, one thing is like you can set up your own thing, whether it be an online business or whether it be printing flyers that then post around your neighborhood. So you do gardening and decorating work, um, trying to get actually transferable skills. So I wanted to learn about marketing so I could get an internship in marketing. So I did a competition in marketing and I didn't get paid for it, but it certainly worked with the complete skill set that I needed to, um, to actually be able to then get that job at the end of it. Um, and the and there are loads of um, really great marketplaces now that exist specifically to address students that are in this situation where they want to work on really meaty projects that have an impact for a business, for a client, um, and they will get compensated for it. I can't remember its name off the top of my head. Tom may know. It's something very similar to freelance.com. Um, Elance? If you consider that we live on a... Sorry? Is it Elance? 
It may have been or Elance. Like Odesk, uh, or... there's, there's one that's specifically sure. projects. I will Google when you guys are talking and try to find it. Okay. Um, and then share it. But if you consider there are like six point or almost seven billion people on the world, there's going to be a project that you can work on out there if they're all putting them on the internet. Yes. Um, so this is like, go use the internet. It's amazing. <laughs> I think I think the thing that I'd add to that is basically. Well, the most important thing is to be proactive. I mean, basically, take the skills which you want to use in the workplace, do something with them that gives you a portfolio that you can then use. So, um, you know, I think I had a, I had half in my mind when I started my YouTube channel that I, I've always found working, uh, like, videos and films interesting, and so I started making them. You know, I, I taught myself how to um, use the technology, how to how the, the ideas behind making films work. And now, if I wanted to, I could send off my YouTube channel as basically like a resume to somewhere saying, hey, look, I'd like to do editing to, for you for free. This is what I've done before. I'm not a complete idiot. Where um, I know that Florence on our previous live stream did this for uh, QI, didn't she? She sent off. She made some videos uh, showing that she researched topics and presented them herself. Sent it off to QI. She got an internship from that internship. She then got a job. So it, it's all about being proactive with what you want to do with your life. I think this this extends beyond just the experience question, but you know, like it's applicable to basically anything in adulting. It's just think about what you want to do, what you want to get out of life, and then start doing that thing and start making your own portfolio that you can then show to other people and it's only going to grow and grow and grow so i have some stories i'd like to share on this topic but first uh one little observation most students think that on their resume their work section has to be paid work and then like things they did in school have to be kind of like bunted down to this little involvement like community involvement or or clubs in whatever section so let's take for example like some girl who had a job flipping burgers, you know, part-time during college, but then she was on like the student council and she organized a huge event. That is more relevant experience to any job that she's going to want to apply for. Like say she's an event management major than the flipping burger job. So what she should do is put that in her work experience. It doesn't have to be paid. It's just, it's simply work experience doing something that creates value in the area that the company you're looking to get hired at is going to want you to have experience in. So that should be top and center. You know, Burger King can be down there. Um, so essentially, the idea here is to parlay any and all experience you have doing something that would be relevant to a company you're applying for and highlight that. Doesn't have to be paid. Could be volunteer. Could be a side project. Could be a club at school. Um, in my own life, my first job was I printed out flyers and I slapped them on people's doors and said, hey, I'll mow your lawn and I'll pick up your dog droppings. And I got people, people hired me, you know, I think, I think that was my like killer unique selling point is I will deal with your dog because most people don't want to have to go deal with their dog before letting somebody mow their lawn. So I did it for them. Um, and then I wanted to become a freelance web designer and I didn't have experience. So what I did is I went to the community college in my town. I was like, Hey, do you guys have a binder of job openings at all? And I dug through it for two hours until I found some company that wanted to hire somebody to build a website. And I just called them up and I said, Hey, I've never done this before, but I took a class um, I've done some of my own projects and I will work for very cheap and I will work until it's right. And they've hired me. So that was kind of like the first foray and it was just completely me asking for work or me just going out and figuring it out instead of getting hired by an actual company as an employee. But that's what builds that experience. I like the fact that we've kind of just gone to this really quite focused uh, like really motivated discussion of what it is that drives us, and I've just looked at the chat, and uh, I think they're talking about Pokemon. 
Uh, Are they? <laughs> Can we talk about that? So, we could, someone's also asked, and I want to pick up on this, your bookshelves, the floating bookshelves on your wall. How did you do yeah. that? So what they are is they're basically like a metal bracket that's like this, and then this side's screwed into the wall, and then underneath there's like little tiny tabs. So you take the bottom book, and you put all but the back cover on the shelf part, and then you tuck the back cover up and like hook it into little hooks. And then you just stack the rest uh, on there. So it's like an L bracket cool. on the wall. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. That's good adulting. I like that. It is. You can get them on Amazon for like 10 bucks, I think. So I would call so it a you, good investment. This, this actually does pertain to a relevant discussion, I suppose. Are you are you currently renting or have you bought a place with a mortgage? We are renting a house. So until April, I was in an apartment with three friends. And then we all graduated. I'd been graduated for two years, but everyone finally, excuse me, finished school. So we moved down to like a town 20 miles away. And just found a house for rent, and there's five of us here, so we're renting, and it's like, it's a pretty nice house, but between five people, it's still college prices. And okay. I think that's a good thing to think about with adulthood. Like a lot of people assume you graduate college and you have to immediately upgrade your life. You don't. <laughs> you can yeah. continue living at college prices. I mean, like overall, my lifestyle is not college priced, but my housing situation is, and that makes things easier. I mean, I, I've seen the whole scope, really. I mean, I've I've gone to people who have been out of uni for a few years now, and that you know they're basically doing things they're passionate about, or they're the sort of starting a new kind of career that they wasn't related to their their subject or whatever. Mm. They're basically continuing their student experience out into the adult world. And at the end of the under end of the spectrum, I've seen people who have gone off to the city, started earning huge amounts of money, and they've got houses that are probably nicer than anything I'll ever like own in my lifetime. You know, it's 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 there's no one cookie cutter form of how your life is going to go post university. I think people maybe have this perception that because everything up to university was cookie cutter, you know, you do this school, this school, this school, this school, yeah. you do your exams, you leave, and then it's like, oh wait, now what? Like, what's the pattern I have to fill now? And there isn't. Like, adulthood is a bunch of people mm. completely having no clue what's going on <laughs> and wandering around, and it, we we make it up as we go. Like, none of us really know what we're doing. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we are like taking every challenge as it comes. We might have some aspirations as to what we want to do in the end, some overall plan. But really, every adult is just as confused as everyone else. And we were talking about this before the live stream, weren't we? We were saying how like the difference between uh, adulthood and kids and kids is that kids think that adults have like everything figured out, and then adults know that they don't have everything figured out, but then just pretend that they do. Yes. Um, uh, I think you're hitting upon like a fundamental truth of adulthood, and I, I think this is good for people to learn. So when you're going through school, you like are always on a path. It's like the hero's journey. You like you know where you're going to the top of the mountain and everything. And then you can't really understand this until you're done with school. But when you get out, it feels like that definite path, that like path of progression where people were giving you feedback and you knew you were moving forward towards a definite goal, is gone. And a lot of people fall into essentially retail therapy, buying things that other people buy because they are looking for a script to follow again. Like, I don't have a jet ski yet. That is the next goal to attain because that is what everyone else does who's making this much money. This is not the case. School is set out. You have to go through school. Sure. But after that, it's whatever you want to do. And I mean, if you want to do something that's completely outside of what most people do, Figure out how to do that because it brings so much more fulfillment. I think like basically just never feel pressured into doing something that you, at the end of the day, don't want to do. I mean, I've been thinking about this more and more recently, and and basically the idea that 
you only actually have one life. You know, regardless of what you believe about life after death or reincarnation or anything like that, as you, you only get one chance to live in this world. So why would you not spend your entire time doing the things that you are passionate about and not go chasing chasing through other people's hoops that you believe to be there? Because there's literally no point. You're literally wasting the the, the precious time that you have. So yeah, don't. I don't want a jet ski in my life. Really, I find them <laughs> like. I think that they just look really dangerous, but They're I would love. Sorry, they're fun to rent <laughs> for an hour. Oh, I can imagine. <laughs> but it's like at the end of the day, what I really want is an Urukai scimitar hanging in my kitchen. Like, there you go. That's like a life goal for me, and you know I don't think that's a common one, but like that's what I want out of life. So I'm gonna pursue that. There you go. Also, the people in the chat that just managed to do the entire Pokemon theme song, that was amazing. That was like Twitch plays Pokemon in text form. That was incredible. <laughs> so there was a question uh, um, from a guy named 100 Jokes, and he asked, thoughts on doing something completely irrelevant to your major after school? Oh, I think I can feel that, actually. Go for it. But, like, do, 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 Jamie, do you want to maybe... Because yours is quite different, I suppose. I don't really fully understand the question. What do you mean? Like studying stuff that's not directly related to my degree? No, graduating and then finding or trying to pursue a job <clears throat> that is completely different to what your major was. Or oh, right. to make it more general, what uh-huh. if you are doing a job and want to go to something completely different? Oh, right. Um, well, I, I think that's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, so I did, I did philosophy, politics, and economics. And then I almost became a software engineer. Uh, and now I'm working in technology. Those none of those things are really related. Um, <laughs> I just had this like, I think that we all have multifaceted lives, and part of it was I had an academic desire to want to study PPE because I thought it helped me understand the world. And then in the space of like my working life, I wanted to know. Um, now I had understood how I think the world works and what the core values are. I then wanted to pursue it. So tech was where I wanted to go into, and yeah. Like, I think you can definitely do something that's completely related, unrelated to your major. Um, people always seem to think that your degree should lead directly into a career, but I don't think that's true. Your degree is typically um, something that teaches you a skill set that you can then apply to every other experience that you ever have in life, whether it be uh, taking on a new job or going into a relationship with someone because you now have deeper empathy skills and communication skills to be able to go to this deeper level um, of connection with another person, like to, to to be able to have the the broadness of view to see that those two things are actually incredibly related, um, is I think that's something that's incredibly lost in our mass media today. Um, that are just like all these people are graduating with these stupid degrees that don't teach them anything to get jobs, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you your degree clearly was not very valuable because you can't see the bigger picture of what it is to be alive. Um, and for that reason, don't go to their universities or whatever qualifications or whatnot that they got. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point to bring up that you, your education isn't just like hundred percent preparation for a job where you do X every day. Uh, actually when I'm, I have a student writer who writes basically all the articles on my site now, cause I make videos and he wrote an article called don't go to college for just a degree, go to college for education. So I'm pretty excited to write that and get it up on the blog. Um, I have an if to answer the actual question uh-huh. I, I love the idea of going to going to college to get an education to intellectually better yourself and maybe not do something that's initially going to be what you're working at um, 
happen. This this if is more for just like if you're doing X and you want to transition to Y. Essentially, what you have to do is build career capital in Y to be able to transition. So there's a fantastic book called So Good They Can't Ignore You from a guy named Cal Newport. Um, I think every oh, yeah. student should read it. I think it's amazing. But essentially, like the, what he talks about is if you want to change from one thing to another, you need to have some sort of skill or experience that's going to make you valuable in the new field. So there's people who are software engineers and they're like, I think it would be really cool to become a farmer. I think that's my passion. But they have absolutely no experience in farming whatsoever. And inevitably, those people fail. Whereas if somebody, you know, has been doing something different with their life, but on the side, like they help their dad out on a farm or something, or they're at like the fairs every weekend, you know, dealing like judging livestock, they got some experience already that they can sort of parlay into transitioning. So if you want to make a complete 180 career change, you need to find some lower risk ways to build some of that career capital and skill first. So that way you can actually use it to be successful when you try to fully transition. Um, I mean, that's kind of that's kind of what I wanted to get at actually with with um, uh, my answer, which was that I mean I and also this ties into a point I wanted to make, which is that there's definitely a case to me for learning for the sake of learning. Um, I mean, I in the course of my degree did I, I guesstimate I probably use in my PhD this is about maybe 25% of the content I actually learned in my degree on like a regular basis. Mm. And that's because I'm doing a PhD in effectively physics. If I wasn't doing it, then it, the almost everything I'd learned would have been completely um, not applicable to everyday life. And I would have been totally okay with that because I wanted to learn that stuff for the sake of learning it because I thought it was beautiful things to learn. And learning how the universe worked, by the way, in physics was something that I was totally okay with spending time doing, knowing that I probably wasn't going to do it you know, use it in the real world because call me an idealist, but I think that there's definite merit to uh, pursuing your intellectual. Uh, it's it's almost like an intellectual call to the wild, I suppose, isn't it? It's like you know, you have this longing to understand something that you know is going to be completely useless. It's almost like climbing a mountain. You want to see the view from the top, but like, how is that going to affect the rest of your life? Well, it's provided you with some illumination and it's provided you with a sense of beauty of the rest of the world. And I think there's definite arguments to be made for doing subjects at university about that. Um, but uh, the, the, the sort of career point that I wanted to make was that, I mean, I'm now going to come to the end of my PhD. I'm probably going to go into filmmaking. Uh, and I already made the point earlier about um, creating this YouTube channel and using it as a portfolio. I'm going to extend that this year. I'm going to be making some short films. I'm joining uh, the student uh, campus um, media production crew uh, and making some short films with Dan. And you know, as as Tom said, you've got to sort of start investing your time into creating capital for that new direction. Uh, because without it, you can't just say, that's it, I'm now going to be a film director. And then, you know, knock on Universal Studios doors and say, excuse me, can I have a script, please? You know, it just doesn't work like that. You have to you have to generate capital. And, and it's going to be... And if the thought of doing that puts you off from that new career path, if the thought of putting in the work at the very, very bottom runs puts you off, that indicates that maybe it's not the right thing for you. Yes. Whereas I know yeah. that I'm, I'm going to graduate and it's going to be, here, you're probably going to be getting coffee for these people on this set of a movie that's like American Sniper X9 that has nothing to do with what you want to do creatively. But if mm. it's what you've got to do in order to pursue what you want to do to get fulfillment out of that career path, that's what you've got to do. Are you? Are you? Uh, are either of you guys familiar with Freddie Wong? Yes. So No. He's a he's a YouTuber who does like amazing special effects, just crazy like uh -huh. short films and videos. Uh, if you've heard of Video Game High School, I think he produced that. He's yep. been on YouTube for a long uh -huh. time. 
And uh, I went to VidCon and I saw him there. And he's on a panel and he said there were kind of like two people at film school. There's the people who like the idea of making films and like all the adulation that comes with it. And then there's also the people who like to make films and who like being at a shooting location at 1 a.m. and having to like hold the reflecting thing over their head until their arms are almost like wanting to fall off. Like those are the people that make films. The people who just want to make films don't because there's Someone... so much of that slog to get through. Sabrina has just asked, Simon, please explain the Jelly Baby poster. <laughs> uh, this thing, uh, that was, that's actually come from a very long way away. That comes from the Eye in the Sky in Scotland. Uh, and it says, so E equals MC squared, where do Jelly Babies come from? I, I got it when I was like 10, I think, because I just found it funny. I like it now because it keeps me grounded at the ideas that like you can learn everything, as I said earlier, like about the, the sort of the beauty of physics. It doesn't actually answer the questions that a lot of people have like where jelly babies come from. I actually don't know how jelly babies are made. I imagine that's probably quite an interesting process. Um, Is that a food? Yeah. Jelly babies. Have you not heard of jelly babies? No. I know I have. Oh, yeah, yeah. you guys have a lot of snacks that we don't have here because I listen to a couple of English podcasts. But <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, I could have just made stuff up. I literally could have said that. It's, <laughs> oh, shoot. I should have said that. Equally, I could just make up snacks now. Like, oh, yeah, we have these hunky dunks. I'm going to believe you. Until I come there and find, and find that I cannot eat them. <laughs> That's right. a very interesting question by Neckmace, um, which seems a bit like a curveball. How have your expectations changed of what your life will be? Um, what was the largest change in your expectations you remember? Are your new expectations more optimistic or pessimistic? My new, my new expectations <laughs> are ridiculously optimistic like go to the moon at this point so i don't know <laughs> so what happened to you to make you so deluded like what, what happened right, the romanticism has taken that over ridiculously <laughs> yeah i swear i'm not too much of a hopeless romantic so uh let's see here my expectation of life when i finished high school was that i was going to become a systems administrator who sat in the basement of a big corporation and ran all the computers because i wanted to be tanked from the matrix and uh -huh. <laughs> there was always like hilarious IT people. And I was listening to all these tech podcasts while I did my job in the cornfields as a teenager. So my expectation of life was that I would be a dude who goes to work every day, likes his job, hopefully, and then goes home. Then I did the internship. It was completely not what I expected. Uh, I was very lost for a while, to be honest. And then this happened. And I've just been working as hard as I can every single day to be get to get better at what I do in some way. And I don't know if this is like advice I can give to other people, but what I've found in my own experience is when I try to get better every day at something, it compounds and good things happen and it accelerates. So my expectations are ridiculous optimistic because I'm laser focused on getting better and just providing as much value as I can. And the return is great. I mean, I think I had... Um... I had the, I when I was a kid, the thing which I thought was I'm going to go to Oxford, I'm going to do physics, I'm going to get a master's in either plasma physics or something, and then I'm going to be an astronaut. Like that was my like projected career path. You had much um, cooler aspirations than me. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think yours were a bit more realistic somehow. Um, <laughs> although having said that, I mean like most most astronauts have PhDs if they're mission specialists. If I was to start flying tomorrow, then maybe I could actually still do it, but not. <laughs> That's, that's just my, my like career goal has now shifted. Now I just don't have such a... I think the difference now is I don't have such a 
directed career goal. I have ideas about what I would like. I know the sector that I'd like to work in. I know the projects that I'd like to be involved in, what I would like to creatively do within my career, but I don't have a particular job in mind. I don't have a particular like role at X company in mind. I have, I have much more focused ideals about what I want to get out of life, but less um, focused ideas of what job specifically I want. I think that's probably... I think that's probably how I've changed. Maybe I don't think I've changed in terms of how optimistic I am. I think I've just changed in how I'm looking at the future, probably. I like that. I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to be a fireman. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was six, and I really liked this show called Fireman Sam, and I really liked the idea of being in a red truck and wearing a yellow hat. (laughs) It's just like the best thing ever. But then contrast to that was I also wanted to be an astronaut because of the encyclopedia books that we just had in the house. So I have a sister, but she would run off to school, and so it would just be me. Ooh. Oh, no. We kept yeah. him for almost an hour. He just died when I'm eating a cookie. I, can't I know, talk. right? You think you can get a break, and then you can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. hopefully we can get Jamie back in a couple of seconds. Uh, did you did you ever have like a childish like job that you wanted to do though? Like before you wanted back? to be tanked in the Matrix. He's, oh, back. he's back. Yes. He's back. There we go. To answer your question, I, I feel uh, unoriginal because I wanted to be a fireman when I was six years old too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool job. I used to want to be. We got to go to I the fire to station one time, and we got to go in the truck and everything. So I was. What kid wouldn't want what? that? I never got that. That's so cool. And they had like this little tiny house that would, they would use to simulate how to evacuate and like stop, drop, and roll, and everything. Oh, that's so cool. cool. I used to to want to be a paleontologist. Basically, I saw Jurassic Park, and I was like, that's the man! That's the man I want to be! Did you guys watch Magic School Bus 2, or not? Yes! I I, I didn't watch the Magic School Bus. It was the best thing ever. Yeah, the the paleontology episode was so cool. I had so many dinosaur Uh, books. The difference is now, I I used to watch Jurassic Park, and be like, I want to do that job. Whereas, like, now, I watch Jurassic Park, and I'm like, I want to make that film. Like, I look at the technology in the film, and it's like, it's just a completely different perspective on how I look at things now. In the same way that I watch Star Wars, and I don't want to be a Jedi anymore, though I kind of of do. Like, I now want to make films like that. This Um, worries me. This This worries me. Because I'm I'm like, I don't want to be a filmmaker like you do, but I, I want to make my things better. So every time I watch a movie now, I find myself getting distracted from the plot by like, oh, the color grading in this scene is so good. Yeah. Like the this the periodization of the, the props and everything. Like I'm just no, get your brain into the story, man. Come on. Yeah. I once I once made myself almost physically sick because I was watching the Avengers and I was taking note of every camera movement and trying to preempt what the what the <laughs> camera was going to do next. And I was like, right, he's going to move the camera down. He's moved it down. He's he's he's, he's brought the characters closer together to signify the power of relationship change. And then like after that, like an hour, I was just like, oh, I can't do this anymore. So um, philosophy drives you also that mad, <laughs> but with literally everything. Like when you guys are speaking, I'm like. Oh, so what would Wittgenstein think of the language you guys are using? And is that really an accurate painting of reality? Like, you can't have those thoughts in normal day conversation. It's just really hard. Can't switch off. <laughs> so you just suppress that uh, part of your mind. <laughs> the um, uh, I want to ask you guys this. Like, going back to wanting to be a Jedi, which I'm assuming everybody does. Of course. As a 24, you don't like Star Wars. Well, okay, that's not fair. I like the universe. I don't like the films. Any of them? Not, Not even, even the, the originals? Well, I've seen, I've seen the first three, i.e. episodes four, five, and six, five and, six. and I hated them. <laughs> All right, that's fair oh. enough. 
I have I learned know, I, to respect opinions, even if people don't like, like universal. I, I mean, I, I respect your opinion, but it's wrong. <laughs> but anyway, I'm yes, I do want to be a Jedi nonetheless. Um, okay, so, so like, as twenty-two on. and twenty-four-year-old men, do you still sometimes pretend that automatic doors only open if you use Jedi mind powers on them? Like, do you do the thing where like you move your hand like that and the doors open? Like, because I do that all the time. Am I the only man that does? Well, this isn't fair because in my at least here, Target is like running a huge Star Wars promotion, so they literally have a sign on the door going, "Hold your hand out and use the Force to open the door." And I'm like, I've been doing oh, that since I was a kid. You don't need to tell me to do that. I'm gonna do it anyway. But yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm more influenced by like anime, so I'm more like energy blasts as opposed to the Force. A Hadouken kind of thing. That'll work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your Dragon Ball Z blast. I'm now exactly. watching. Tom's got I'm it. Now watching um, uh, Attack on Titan. Like I've never really watched oh, anime right. before, so I'm trying to get into it. But like it's on Netflix, so it's I thought I'd give it a watch. Uh, it's really violent. Like I was really surprised at how um, how how like dark it was within the first episode. But I'm enjoying it. It's good. Somebody wrote oh, you Death should watch Note in the chat. Then. I That's really want to watch really that soon. Violent. What was that? Sorry. Somebody wrote Death oh, Note oh. in the chat, and I really want to watch that soon. Oh yeah, I've been told I should. Oh my god, my... Tom! I've watched it like six times. It's Have you? So good. People tell me it's like anime yeah. Sherlock. So, yes, that's that what I amazing. want because I love Sherlock is my favorite show. So I need to watch it. Wow. <laughs> so I've got, I've got yeah. into this habit now of like of like being doubly productive in that I I want to do more time uh, of cardio at the gym and I'll like also but I also want to watch more stuff on Netflix so I will like just like p- plug my phone in with headphones and just like do spinning for like 40 minutes but watch a show in that time okay. so uh, the problem is I now need to find content that's the right length of time because at the moment it's either Attack on Titan which is 20 minutes long and it's a bit too short or it's Sherlock which is an hour and a half long and that's <laughs> maybe a bit too long like I'd, I'd be a shriveled husk by the end of it um, so if people want to recommend oh, in the chat like 50 well, minutes really like people put house um, of cards and that's good oh, house of oh, cards sorry. Steven Universe um, is amazing so my friend's trying to get me into that but um, I'm hesitant watch it uh, I watched one episode and I was somewhat unconvinced okay alright I'm gonna be go. 100% honest like the first 20 episodes of the show are just okay, okay. after 20 episodes it becomes the best cartoon that has been ever been made in my opinion so have you seen bojack horseman no i haven't all of it I, okay, okay i need to watch that too so i'm that's really very different in bojack tone. at the moment <laughs> very different in yeah tone. jamie was it the finest uh insight into the equestrian soul you'd ever seen <laughs> yeah. yeah bojack horseman is the greatest exploration of the equestrian soul i have ever watched and i highly <laughs> recommend it to everyone who has ever questioned uh what the equestrian condition is made up of <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I, love, I have this little like thought in my head, and the chat is just like echoing it before I even say <laughs> it. Like how have we we're now on TV shows. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, like, I guess there was a really good question earlier on, and it's really good. It was by Hehe Lol. Um, if you could tell one thing to your high school self, what would you say? I think about high the school, butterfly we'll effect way too much, man. Wait, what? I think about the butterfly effect way too much. I'm just like, okay, I'm going to tell myself that one thing and it's just going to go wrong, like monkey's paw, and I'm going to end up in the dumpster somewhere. Like, I don't know. I tell myself to put all of my investment, like all of my lifetime savings on Jeremy Corbyn to win the Labour election <laughs> when it was first announced. Because he was like 200 to 1. Like, that would have been the best return ever. Okay. Legitimate. Because I think this... 
People ask this question because they want to vicariously become the past version of you, right? Like, what would you tell yourself? No, actually, just tell that to me. And I think the thing that pops into my brain right now um, is don't look for things to pad your resume. Take all that time you're going to spend on that and shove it over to something that you have an interest in that you can get really good at that will be useful to you. So what I mean by that is when I was in college, I was literally looking for things that would that I thought older people would be impressed by to put on my resume. I joined business council and I sat for like 45 minutes a week in a room where they talked about like, here's what we're going to do to clean up the, the building. And here's what we're going to do to like instate better like signage policies and stuff. And I, I actually joined, I joined two committees full of professors. I joined one where I literally had the job of deciding whether or not students who had dropped out because of failure should be reinstated. And then I also had a job where I decided like budget allocations for, for IT components, like computers and stuff. Now I got to rub elbows with professors. Yes. But that was so much time that I could have spent writing or learning how to make videos. If I had been doing that back then or doing something that I had an interest in that would have helped me be better at what I do now. So don't try to pad your resume, try to get good at something you have an interest in and turn into something truly special. There's a post that Cal Newport wrote for Tim Ferriss's blog called the superstar effect where he basically goes through the story of this high schooler who didn't have perfect grades. He had like a 3.2 GPA or something like that, but he got accepted mm-hmm. into Stanford university because he had helped start this green energy initiative that he was really passionate about. And essentially it's like the people who are reading these admissions essays, that's going to stand out to them because it's different. It shows you have a passion to learn something and you did something that's not just cookie cutter go along the path joining the computer budget advisory committee to show off that i'm professional in my resume is not that yeah so that's what i would tell my my previous self i think i'd probably just tell my previous self to stop worrying about how people perceive how you work i think would might be because i think when i was younger i was always worried about people thinking that i wasn't working hard and by not working hard i mean not doing lots of hours of work Mm. Uh, and I was obsessed with this idea of having to log yeah. in eight hours a day. And it's like, no, you don't have to do that. If in any method that gets the work done to the same level of comprehension is absolutely fine. It doesn't matter if it takes two hours. That just means it's more efficient than doing it over eight hours. Mm. Um, and I really wish I'd been told that before university because I would slave away like 60-hour weeks or whatever it was. And I could have done it in so much less time if I'd actually sat back and thought about it and not been so worried about trying to project this image of being hardworking. Because I think oh, before yeah. school... Like, I had this, I kind of define myself by being, well, that's Simon, he's the kid that works really hard and, like, does basically nothing else. And maybe, I think I was, I constructed too much of my persona based on hours work rather than, like, outputs of work, which is what I really should have been focused on. So, yeah, I, I, I tell myself to be, to not worry about what people think about you and to actually just get on with the work that produces the outcomes that you want, not be obsessed with the process of getting those outcomes. Definitely agree with I, that. I, I think my only real so I like I struggling with this question because there are a couple of things. Um, one would be to say no to do what you think is right as opposed to do what you think will be accepted. Because there's so many things that in hindsight I just wish I'd done sort of different. Because in hindsight it was like being told to do that and then conforming to that was really stupid, and I wish I had. I knew it was stupid at the time, and I just kind of wish I had uh, embraced and been more sincere to my then 
post-university self. Like when I started university, I started doing this way more. But maybe that's just because I wasn't at that part of growth in my uh, personality just yet. Um, uh, yeah, I think that's the main thing. Oh, no, the other thing would be read. Like I hated reading until I got to university. I didn't read like at all. Huh. And so many wasted like books I could have read that now I'm reading now. Um, reading is like having a, an astounding conversation with the greatest minds. I'm sort of paraphrasing Descartes, but it's completely true. And I wish I had read more. I mean, I, I'm finding myself getting back into reading now because I read loads before school. And then during university, I just didn't read any fiction really at all. Mm. Like I just, I just dropped because it wasn't related to my degree. So I was like, oh. I'll, I'll I'll not do that because it's it's time wasted. Whereas I I really really wish I I kept it on because now I'm tearing through Game of Thrones at a rate of knots and like I'm reading the book thief at the moment and like the I forgot just how much pleasure you can get from reading. Like it's definitely never something that you should sacrifice at university like ever. Yes. What was the other thing I was gonna say? Oh, so like you said. You don't want to be perceived as a person who works hard. You want to be perceived as a person who just gets things done, right? Um, I think another thing I would tell myself is just if something seems like a pain in the butt, figure out a way to do it better. Like just because somebody tells you to do it this way doesn't mean you have to do it that way. You can do it a different way. For example, yeah. when I was in my internship, I remember my boss came up to me. And he's like, I have a project for you that you're not going to like, but I need you to do it. Uh, basically we have like a thousand servers that all need the same settings change. And the only way to do it is for you to go through this little interface. You need to click a server and then you need to make like these five changes on the next interface that comes up. Hit save. It takes about a minute to reload because it's really slow and then you need to do the next one. And I was like, "You what? <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> so I was like, no. What I said is, yes, sir, I will do it. Um, what I actually did was I found this little cute little program called Sekuli Script that lets you use Python programming and combine it with screenshots of your desktop. So you can literally tell your mm -hmm. mouse to move to different, different parts and click it. So I just yeah. like spent about an hour creating this recursive script that would change the number of the server on the screen every time. And then I let it go and I watched Netflix all day. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I sat down back and I mined bitcoins. Like Yes. Uh, and then I went to my boss and said, it's done. And I just watched all the Iron Man movies. <laughs> he's like, how? Teach me, please. So, yes, find better ways to do something. What I meant. Um, yes, completely agree. I don't recommend installing software that your, your corporation doesn't approve of. But, hey, we all make mistakes, right? <laughs> I mean, I, that's actually, it's like, I, I, that's what I found. The majority of programming is actually all about. It's about taking something that is a pain. There's like one way of doing it, which you know, which is a pain in the butt and would take you like 20 hours to do because it's like a long hand way of doing it. Or you can spend five hours researching how to do something and get it done in 10 minutes. You know, that's, that's to me, that's basically what programming has been all about for my yes. entire PhD. Definitely. We had more questions. Um, and then, like, there was a good one. cheeseburger backpack discussion started. <laughs> uh, I, I, there was a good one earlier um, from Leo Moad um, asking, as an adult, what's the best thing to do in my free time? Whatever you want. Okay, no, I, I want to think about this because I would like to have yeah. a cheeky little answer. Uh, there are several things you should be doing in your free time. Number one, I think, is giving people attention because... It's a sad fact that when we get done with school, a lot of the feedback stops 
and a lot of the interactions with people who are not in your core like daily group happen like you you might if you have a girlfriend or you or you get married you move in with that person a lot of adults have a situation where they get up for work they go to work they see their coworkers they come home and all they do is they see their their wife or husband you know and i think interesting things happen when you deliberately take the time to reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in a while and say hey even if it could be like a happy birthday or hey hey let's go hang out um another fundamental truth is that people will often kind of just stick to the script because things they seem like too much of a hassle so if you can be the leader of of fun things then you will have a lot of fun most people aren't willing to say like hey we're gonna go do this on saturday show up or not i don't care but i'm gonna be there and usually like if you become the leader people will gravitate to you and lots of fun things will happen yeah i go with that that's uh it's actually one of these questions that i want to say has a very simple answer but like you say there's a lot of complexity <laughs> that's, uh, i think there's like a platitude for everything but then like that's not always the answer based on the circumstances yeah there's there's easy answers that mm. we are supposed to say um, Jamie, what do you think? You've been very, very quiet. Um, I like Thomas's answers. I was like, my first thought was feed your soul. Um, and like your soul is made up of relationships as well. Cause I'm thinking about my day to day. Most of the friends I met up with are in management consultancy and investment banking, and I hardly get to see them. And to have lunch with them today was so great because when I was at university, I literally would see them every single day. And it's really hard to maintain those friendships. So, like, I actively send them messages or keep track of them on Snapchat and all these sorts of things. This whole idea of, like, being proactive with the relationship. Um, your free time. And then one of my other friends was realizing that he can't go climbing as much as he wanted to when he was at university. Now he's, he's working. So this is this other aspect of feeding your soul. And now he's like, I'm going to make time to do this thing that I really enjoy. I'm not going to let um, what the society is telling me my life should be this nine to five structure restrict me from having the fun that I want. Um, but if I could add one additional thing to what you should do in your free time, maybe try set something up. So, um, to be another stream of income, so you don't have to maybe stick to your nine to five job all the time, or at least you have like this insurance policy in place. Um, but that's kind of really big adult thinking. And I don't know, should we go that? <laughs> I mean, I was going to say something a bit more, a bit more of a, an easy answer, I suppose, which is, I mean, I completely echo everything you guys have said, and especially the idea of feeding the soul, I think is, like, it's why I started singing, and I do that so much in my fair time, because I find that's, like, it's just what I find speaks to me, and I, I take a huge amount of pleasure from it. But I think in terms of, like, one thing that I think every adult should do is to exercise and to make sure you're maintaining a healthy physical aspect to yourself as well as you know that you can say about feeding your soul and that's basically maintaining a healthy mental aspect to your life but it's also maintaining a healthy physical aspect and both of those if you neglect them can really detriment your life experience you know they you know you've got to make sure that you are happy and healthy and i'd argue that there's a lot of merit in just making sure that you are fit and strong and capable of moving your body as you know in case of in case you're in that action hero scenario and you're like trapped on the edge of a precipice and like your your hands are like clawed over the edge of a cliff and you've got to pull yourself up you don't want to get I yourself to do that. i actually had to do that 
Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Was it parkour? Like two weeks ago, we were doing parkour, and we actually were doing this height exercise, and we were like 20 feet up, and we had to walk along, and if we fell, we'd die. We'll probably get really broken, um, not die. Uh, but we had to climb on, we were like hanging, we were like, right now pull yourself up, and we are like, ah! <laughs> really? <laughs> um, wow. But no, when, why um, feed your soul, I guess an analogy that would be good would be, um, look after your operating system, your own personal uh, operating system. Yes. Um, so that's made up of like, your physical health, it's made up of your emotional health, so the relationship you have, and also the relationship you have with yourself. Um, if you have a sense of unworthiness, maybe dealing with that and addressing that and then also uh, you have your mental health so stimulating your mind and making sure you stay sharp because that operating system is where you're going to build every single other part of your life on top of and if you don't maintain that then trying to do these other things is going to be far more difficult and in the long run your your operating system is going to thank, thank you for debugging every now and then yes it's a real talk I like this I just want to echo the exercise thing because I, for one, I got a book in the mail today. It's called Spark, and it's about how exercise affects the brain. Um, you guys have seen all those like brain training things, right? Yeah, like yeah. The games and everything, like dual and back training, and all this. One of the the only things that have really been improving that has really been proven to improve brain function is exercise. Like, I try to get out every single day because not because I want necessarily to build my body up. I mean, I do, but there's the other, the other part of it that I want to make sure my brain is functioning at peak capacity. And I know that I have a brain that has evolved to make this body work well. So I have to use it in that capacity for it to work well. I can't just sit. It's a two-way system. All day. It's, it's a two-way system, isn't it? Like your your brain has evolved to operate your body, and your body has a feedback into how your brain chemistry works. Um, you know, on a biochemical level, in terms of the levels of dopamine that are fed back into your brain and keep you happy. Um, it's. I just think it's. I think it's really, really important to do. Uh, I, I've not talked about it much in videos. Maybe it is actually worth a video on its own. You know, we could. We should just start. I don't know. We we, we could start talking about collabs for different projects. We're just now brainstorming videos now. <laughs> yeah, I'll add it to my. I actually, key. I can't remember if we talked about this when we sat where we would like. We, we we had like um, a hangout to talk about this. Like I was, I got this diary of uh, like <laughs> video ideas that I keep, um, and like I I've, I've I found that I've had to do this now because I've just got so many ideas that spark, and if I don't like write them down, they just go. Yeah. And some of them are really, some of them are really quite deep. Like I really want to do. I've had an idea of doing a, a crash course style channel on. Um, the Socratic method, teaching science via the Socratic method, hmm. um, like having two on-screen, oh, cool. and like you know, you talk through them in the in the way that you get a lot of language like tapes do this, where like you have a teacher and then a student, and like the student repeats back answers to questions and stuff, and you can do that on camera with your proxies if you like. Um, but equally, on the next page to that, there's a uh, an entry which says drunk sports. Get a bunch of people together, get wasted, play sport, film it? Question mark. Um, <laughs> I like so, that one. Let's mix it. We em. should do that. Tell you what, if you come to the if you come to the UK, Tom, we should do that. We should we should all play a sport that none of us have played before, like Muggle Quidditch or something, and just get <laughs> just get absolutely tanked and then just like film us trying to play it. I think it'd be amazing. I am one hundred percent gonna do this. Like I'm serious now. <laughs> I will come to the UK and do that with you guys. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I've been telling my girlfriend that I want to go to the UK 
some point soon anyway. So now I have Dude, the reason. It's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. <laughs> People in the chat, say how awesome it is. Uh, yeah. I mean, I really like America. Don't get me wrong. But Rep like, your country. I, uh, for me. America's like 500 different countries. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, thanks to CGP Grey, like, you know, everyone basically now knows that the UK is like 20 different countries. And even then, within those countries, like, there's a huge, huge disparity. Like, yeah. comparing where I live, where Jamie lives, is like, you know, there's like no, no comparison. I just got into uh, his channel, and moreover than that, I've been listening to this podcast he does called Cortex. All right. It's basically just him and Mike Hurley, who runs Really FM, just kind of like nerding out about how they do productivity. Like, I feel like nobody would be interested in this unless they do the kind of like work that they or I do, where they're like talking about, here's the kind of email setup I have, and like, here's how I go to different coffee shops to work every day. I'm like, this is what I do, so I want to hear. It's really cool. But it's also making me want to go to the UK because that's where they both are. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot going on here. I, I can, uh, I can, I can, I can definitely attest to that. There's, there's a lot to look at. <laughs> so in the chat, Russell said the school of life is dangerously enjoyable. Uh, I just want to second that. Like their channel is amazing, and sometimes I watch it and I get very jealous because their animations are they're just spot on, it's great. But they have like eight animators, so it's it's fine. Well, yeah. <laughs> I can't get there, too. Jealous. There's an awesome there's an awesome uh, animated channel called is it Kunzagast or something like that. Um, they were talking I mean? about that on Crash Course. Oh really? Like, yeah, or not on Crash Course on Cortex. Yeah. And Mike was unable to pronounce the name just like you because it's a German <laughs> word. I can't remember what it's called anymore. Uh, but yeah, they're changing their name actually. It's um. Uh, it was something like Kundergast. I'm gonna have to try and yeah, no, it's something like Googling. that. Oh wait, you know what I can do? I can literally just go over to the Cortex episode, which I think I have up on my. I yeah, I do. I have it up on my thing right now. Uh, awesome. I think they would have put it in here, hopefully. But of course they didn't. <laughs> or I just That's can't awesome. see That's it. Oh no! Like, yeah, Kurzgesagt. Kur- Kur- Kurgestat? Yeah, yeah. Okay, they changed their name to In a Nutshell, Kurgestat. That's way more pronounced. So now I can just say In a Nutshell, which I haven't watched their stuff before. This I'm just looking at their thumbnails right now, and they look really good. Oh, the, and it's it's good scientific content as well. Like I look at that, and it's just like mm, that's right, what I want that. to do. I'm adding that to my. I'm, I'm writing a blog post about like educational YouTube channels. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys will be on it, but I'm gonna put their on there. I'm on that too. I'm actually gonna be doing. I'm actually gonna try and do my first crash course series in the next couple of weeks. I'm gonna be filming like uh, proper educational content uh, on my research area and actually trying to get that out there because I've been nice. saying I'll be doing it for months, but uh, that'll be coming. And also, I'm gonna be doing a series on the uh, run up to the uh, climate change talks in Paris coming up in nice. December. So that's a little plug on my own channel. <laughs> Guys, do you have any other questions? So um, this I have is more questions to the that I recorded here. I have a notepad document open because it's just going so fast. Okay. So yeah. one of them was uh, Beck asked, "What is the, what do you think is the most stressful part of becoming an adult?" Stressful. I uh, think it might be just like this idea that everyone else is an adult who is an adult, like has it figured out, and you don't. I think that the imposter syndrome is one of the biggest things. I think for me, the most stressful thing is having to make your own doctors and dentists appointments and things like that. Because when you're a kid, you don't have to phone people up. 
and talk to them on the phone. I hate talking on the phone. And it's just like, oh, oh, hi, uh, yeah, can I, can I, how do I do it? Like, no one tells you how to do it as well. It's just like you have to call up and you have to talk to people on the phone and make appointments. And I absolutely hate doing that. And I know I'm not alone in doing that. But, uh, yeah, I, that's probably the, that's the most stressful bit for me, having to talk to people on the phone. Hate it. I think, okay, I agree with you, but it's not the individual act of calling up the dentist. It's like the way that it piles up. It's like, yeah. okay, I got to call the internet company, the dentist, the trash company to pick up things. Like, <laughs> where did all these things come from? Can I just go to work and come home and relax? Yeah. I think that's the thing. When you go to university, you're like, okay, I'm going to get an awesome job and I'm going to be able to come home and do whatever I want. And then, like, there's 5,000 new things. <laughs> what do you think, Jamie? You can, uh... The worst thing about being an adult. Well, the most stressful thing about becoming an adult. The most stressful thing about becoming an adult. Um, the one that hit me really hard when I like left university was this whole idea that oh my god, I have to retire at like sixty five. This is my life from now on, and having that thought and then having it crush you because it's a pretty heavy thought to think of, and then realizing oh wait no it's not my life from like twenty until sixty seven because I can like do all these little things in between. Mm. Uh. Yeah. So what you're well, saying, don't like the dentist. Yeah. So, but what you're saying is the most stressful thing about becoming an adult is the crushing inevitability of your own demise. Like, well, more, <laughs> no, more that. No, more that. I'm fine with death. I think death is fine because it gives a full stop to life, and it's only with that full stop that you get to this crescendo, and you can really make use of all the time that you have. But the fact that the thing I was really bummed out about was that time is our most precious resource. And that I now have to spend my time doing all this work to buy up all this money to then be able to defer like happiness until after I retire and to give myself security. And I just hated that whole idea. Um, but then I was like, oh, wait, I can still have fun in the, the in-between moments between 20 and 67 or whatever it is. Yeah. So I got over it. <laughs> uh, oh, there was actually another good question I noticed earlier from uh, Aisha Depay, which was, how do you deal with uh, fear of failure? Like, is that something that's still an issue for you guys, do you think? Or, and if not, how, like, how did you overcome that? Because I know that's, that's certainly something which I, I sort of struggle with a bit, the idea of being seen as being a failure, for sure. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think... I've, I've had that fear, but I've gotten to the point where, I don't know, like, you see enough successes in your past that you can gain some self-confidence. And if you fail, you can just say, okay, I took a risk, and it, I failed, but I learned something, and I was at least willing to take that risk. Hmm. Like, there has to be at least a little bit of fear, because otherwise you're just apathetic about whatever it is you're doing. So if you're afraid of failing, then that's okay. But if it's overwhelming fear, then that's a self-confidence issue. Which There's a great be... quote on this. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, well, it's, um, it's, I didn't fail. I just learned 10,000 ways to not do it. Or yeah, that I like didn't that. Work. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. You know, and even if it's like, even if a project itself comes to failure, like if Edison had never... Well, I guess Edison didn't involve, invent the light bulb, but say he did. If he had never figured that out, he still took things from that experience that he could have applied to something else. 
So yeah, the, my the only failure fails, is when you fail to learn. Yeah, if if my business completely fails, I don't want it to. I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to make sure it doesn't. But even if it does, I know that over the five years I've been running my business, it's helped a lot of people. It's taught me a lot of things that I can use to move into my next chapter of life. I mean, I think the thing which helped me most with failures was actually having like disastrous, embarrassing moments. Because the th- the thing with the fear of failure, I think, is the for me at least, the fear of being embarrassed by those failures. The idea that so everyone saw that you you messed up and that you uh, your attempt failed. And I've had horrendously embarrassing two in particular horrendously embarrassing moments in my life. And I've just I, I basically look can look back on them now and say they were literally the worst things that have ever happened to you in terms of like your self confidence. But you survived them. You've got all four limbs mm. and you learn from the experience. So like. So what if stuff goes wrong? Like I could, I think, and that's also something which I found with public speaking is the idea that, you know, you're worried about forgetting the words and then suddenly you will forget your words and you realize that it's not a big deal. You look at your notes and you carry on. And it's like that fear then is removed because you saw the outcome of the, of the fear of the, of the failure, which you were fearing, uh, was nothing to be afraid of. So, yeah, you know, I look back on all these on, on these situations where I forgot the words to a solo or forgot somebody's name when I was introducing them into to a few hundred people. And I'm like, yeah, it happened. I moved on. I learned from it. So what? So when my oh. brother uh, when we were in high school, my brother and I participated in the Battle of the Bands, mm-hmm. which was the stupidest idea because none of us could really play instruments. But we like like. For whatever reason, we decided <laughs> that we were going to do it anyway. <laughs> so, you can see where this is going. Uh, I think, I can't remember the song that we were learning. We did one original and one cover, and we started with the cover. We get up on stage. I'm the drummer, and we've got a guitarist friend, and then my brother's doing vocals. And, like, so we start playing, and right as he's about to sing the first lyric, he goes, on stage, oh, crap, I forgot. Can we start over? <laughs> So that's that's his first experience on stage doing music. Horribly embarrassing. Today, he's like he's doing rap and he's getting really good at it, and he's doing shows all over the city. So, yeah. if you fail, what do you do? It's gonna happen, you know. I think like you got to use. There's there's some famous radio broadcaster in the '40s who said uh, like all professional speakers are afraid. They're just the people who have trained the butterflies in their stomach to fly in formation. Oh, I like that. That's good. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. I had the experience, like, if we're sharing embarrassing stories, uh, I had the experience of, um, so I sing in two a cappella groups in Exeter, and one of them sings medieval music, and uh, at the Christmas concert, which has got everybody's, like, all the groups there, all the, uh, there are eight in total, all their friends, like their parents, it's a big deal, we pack out a big church, and uh, we were singing this, this piece of medieval music called Gaudete, and um, there's a chant in the middle of it, which is a solo section. And um, one person does a, a chant, and then there's a chorus, and then the next person does a chant, which was me. Now, the first person did their chant and did something which we hadn't rehearsed. It was something, it was a melody which I was completely unaware of. It's, the words were exactly the same, but they just changed the melody. We did a chorus, it got to my bit, and there was a pause of about four or five seconds of absolute dead silence. And then I just turned to the, the director of music, Rose, and went, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And then there was another about four or five seconds, and then there was a very quiet, oh, that's okay, we'll just carry on. And then we carried on with the rest of the piece. And I sat back down uh, after we were finished very calmly and went, 
that was the most embarrassing moment of my life. And, like, you know, it would kind of hit me like a tsunami, like, <laughs> this wave of embarrassment. <laughs> and, then, um, and then, like, uh, every subsequent performance, I'm like, well, it can't be as bad as that. And I survived that. Uh, like, I, I was given a, a very, um, like, prominent solo in, um, in Chapel Choir, which we were doing on our tour in Germany. And I was like, shit, I'm in another country and I'm soloing. They're going to expect me to be good. And I'm like, <laughs> Well, what's the worst case scenario? Like, what happens if you're not just quite as good as they expect you are? You're not. It's not going to be as bad as that other time. And guess what? Nothing bad happened. So. Yep. Yeah. And it doesn't go you know. away. Like this. Yeah, is just stays with you. Like uh, next week, I'm I'm flying to South Carolina, and I have a talk that I'm doing, and I have to speak for 45 minutes, which like I'm used to producing eight minute videos, so. I'm scared of this. And then in October, I have to go to Vermont for an hour long keynote. And I'm like terrified. I'm like, what am I going to talk about for an hour on stage? This is going to be terrible. I have to be like amazing. I have to be George Carlin basically. And like, of course I can't be. So it doesn't go away. But like Simon said, like, I think these stories illustrate it's not so bad. If you mess up, you just get better. Um, You know, look at Forrest Gump. He he was like a halfwit, and he managed to bumble away his way through life perfectly fine. You know, like it's gonna be fine. That's maybe the most reassuring thing to be told as an adult is you're going to be fine. Like life is not out actively to try and get you. You're gonna be absolutely okay. You know, so don't sweat it. Get on with it. But the universe is out to try to get you. The universe is. Yeah, but life is not. Proton. The heat death of the universe is marching towards you. It is very very slow rate. I have friends uh, who like, are scared of that. I used to be scared. Actually, the thing which really gave me the willies when I did astrophysics and cosmology was the idea that the universe is expanding. Every point in the universe is expanding away from every other point. And that means that the further away something is from you, the faster it's expanding away from you. That's Hubble's, Hubble's law. Um, and there are parts of the universe which we can observe, which even if we were to set out at the speed of light, we couldn't ever reach because the space between us is expanding faster. They're, they're moving away from us faster than the speed of light. And for some reason, that, that sense of cosmic scale gave me this like really terrified feeling, this idea of like massive perspective, and it really scared me. And then I realized that's in no way going to impact my life Yes. Like, that, that's dealing with these areas. Okay, so you can't you can't reach them. That's that's sad. But okay, that means they can't impact your life equally. You can never travel at the speed of light. So that's you know it, it, it's but yeah, it still affected me until I started thinking about it. So yeah, being worried about the heat death of the universe is another thing that's like it's never going to affect you. Absolutely. Right. Like no way. Unless we can somehow upload our consciousness to like a computer. And then, and then, somehow, last until the heat dead of the universe. And then, and then, we become the uh, Isaac Asimov short story about the second law of thermodynamics. <laughs> um, is it uh, insufficient data for a meaningful answer? I can't I, remember what the question. I haven't read that, so I need to read it. There's a book on my shelf called Permutation City, and it's very similar. Raj is interested in international internships. Ooh, uh, I don't know anything about. Actually, you know what? You guys might be more qualified because you live in an area where like going international is not to go like thousands of miles but i will say <laughs> episode 19 of my podcast uh, i talked with benny lewis who's amazing at language learning but he's an irish guy who did international internships so he answered some questions of mine about this topic but if you guys have personal experiences i want to hear them i haven't done any international internships i must be honest jamie have you i went to japan <laughs> So oh, was yeah, that okay, for an internship or was that for a vacation? 
Yeah, no, that was an internship. I was working in Tokyo for three months. Oh, awesome. Okay, um, let's hear the story. Um, I got it. Um, so there was a, a person who was looking to hire someone to work there for the summer, four people, and I applied and I got rejected. So I was about to go to China to go and teach English, but I really wanted to go to Tokyo. So I kept an email with this person every single two weeks with an update on how I was learning skills that would be directly applicable to what she needed. And about three weeks before I was set to fly up to China, she said, okay, fine, I'll take you. Um, so after, I don't know how many emails, and I, at the end I became so obsessed with like wanting to get this internship, I knew when she would wake up and check her emails because she would do it at a very specific time every day. And I knew that if she didn't reply then, I'd be like, damn it, still haven't convinced her, back to the drawing board, let's see what else I can do. Um, and then I ended up getting this internship, and it was very much once in a lifetime because it was with a geisha in Tokyo for three months, my dream country. And it taught me so much about, um, well, going to a foreign country and not being able to understand anything, uh, not being able to read anything, being completely vulnerable and having to depend on the kindness of strangers. Um, that was just one aspect, huge area of growth, especially for my first year at university when I'd never been on holiday on my own ever, let alone it being more than 3,000 miles away. The other thing was just like experience and just like, Jamie, you have to deal with our marketing because you said you knew about marketing. And I was like, did I? Uh, I guess I have to Google how to do marketing. Uh, and then, yeah, the people that you meet, um, again, this whole idea of kindness of strangers, the other interns you work with, like I got to climb Mount Fuji with these people and they are still some of my closest friends um, that I've ever made. Um, international internships, I'm not sure if that's exactly what you guys are looking for, but find what you're looking for in terms of experience, find a country, like for me it was the country that mattered to me as opposed to the direct experience, and then just be persistent. Like I only got this internship because I was persistent, and because I was like, I have the skill set that you need, and I'm going to convince you that you need me. And I like did extra pro bono work for her and was like, you should change things like this, and this will get you more traffic, and you can increase your business like this. You're just like, fine <laughs> <laughs> dude i think that's one of the coolest stories we've had like you emailed somebody again and again until they said yes that's super cool like most people would not <laughs> there was a, uh someone in the chat called i love this username thesaurus toblerone has just uh, said so you should just harass people until they give it basically which uh, so uh i well, hmm, maybe that isn't the key takeaway. <laughs> that, that's a strong word we're putting it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's probably right. Yeah. It's pretty accurate, I would say. I mean, I, I did ask her in hindsight. I was like, was I harassing you? And she was like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but think of it this way. like you're You're literally about as far away as you can get in the world. If she really wanted to ignore you, she could have very easily. So you did yeah, something. she could have just blocked me. Yeah, very easy. Like you're just a blip on a, on a computer screen. So you did something that she thought was worthwhile. Speaking of harassment, Oshin, please stop putting the same message in the, in the chat over and over again. That's how you say your name. It's Oshin. Is that what it is? Um, I think it's I think it's Oshin it's or Oshin. Oshin. Yeah, but it's an accent. It's a Gaelic. It's a Gaelic okay. word. So it's uh, it's a bit weird. <laughs> I know nothing uh, of Gaelic. Right. It's like uh, three o'clock here in the UK. Oh no! We just validated so we him. Take, should we just take like one or two more questions and then should we go to bed, Jamie? 
That implies yeah. that we're sleeping together, like we're on opposite in the same room, but like you're like. We can go ahead. There. We can do head toe. Was the last time I did head toe, <laughs> I ended up kicking my mate in the face. I have done the same thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I was like, why don't we just sleep like head head and toe toe? I like I'm not. It's not weird for me. And then I went to kick you in the face. Uh, and we were like, okay, maybe. <laughs> My roommate and I talked about this multiple times when we were sleeping like that, and we never changed it. So I guess he's just okay with me kicking him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people are asking if we're going to do these events, uh, like Q&A sessions like this, more often. I quite like to. These, and these are super easy to do. I actually yeah. really like talking to you guys, so I'm game. We should do a podcast, just the three of us. I get the impression this would, well, effectively, these episodes become a podcast by being uploaded to YouTube, uh, like immediately afterwards. So, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd love to. I would like to have you guys on my podcast. Well, I'd love to. I'd love to be on it. I would be honoured to be on your podcast, Tom. I've been an admirer from afar, which I probably haven't fully disclosed. But <laughs> like, when I see all your study effectively skills, I'm just like, this guy is doing it. He's doing it extremely well. I'm just going to push my subscribers over to his guy because, like, <laughs> he's doing it so much better than I have the time to dedicate to, and it's such a great level. So I'd be honored to be on your podcast. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd love to have you guys on soon. Uh, someone else has asked, uh, as their last question, do you consider yourself adults or just big children? Uh, How do you perceive yourself? Skateboarding this morning. Come on. <laughs> See, okay, here's a, I simultaneously perceive myself as 14 and 40 because my friends literally, they call me a dad all the time because I'm the person who always has to call the internet company and I'm the one who's like, we should sweep out the garage, guys. And like, here's my checklist of how we should go about this move to the new house. Like, and they're just playing video games. But at the same time, like, we need to buy a trampoline and I'm going to the skate park. <laughs> After which I'll be watching Steven Universe. So I don't know. I think it's like I'm an adult, but that's because I know how to be responsible, but it's not going to stop me from being stupid and doing very childish things because those are also fun. I think well, it, it's the point that adulthood is what you make of it. Like, mm. It's it's a label associated with people who have reached a certain physical maturity, basically. Like I, I don't think of myself as an adult, but equally I don't think of myself as a child, which I think means that I... I think of myself as the only Simon Clark adult in the world, which just happens to be a, a basically like a, a large man-shaped puppy who just gets really <laughs> enthusiastic about projects and like barrels off into like when I when we first got this new house, I was obsessed with the idea of getting a hot tub for the back garden or building a pizza oven and or build like converting our shed into a sauna. And I was like going and researching them all the time. And then after like a week, I was kind of like, no, this is stupid. And then I got obsessed with some other different idea, like trying to build a laser or something. Uh, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I feel like I'm, I think of myself as a human puppy. It's probably the best way. Like a six month old puppy. It's probably how I think of myself. Are you thinking of the black puppy that you saw on your holiday? I did. People who, like you two, I've got, I've got both of these two on Facebook, but I met the cutest puppy in the entire world uh, in, in France. It was so excited to see us that it literally wet itself in excitement. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I yeah. noticed that. I was a bit like, oh, is it still cute? Mm. Is it was, that in the picture like, you posted? It's a video I put on my Facebook. Oh, okay. I haven't like seen this, it. This, uh, 
Um, I'll put it on my public Facebook page if people want to see it because it's like it's this thing like we just lurched on us down the road. And it was like friends, hello friends, and like <laughs> running around us, like peeing on our feet, and then like trying to jump up at us and everything. But then what happened with that was we um, we were just doing a run to like drop all the, the rubbish off as we finished the holiday, and then go back to the house. It followed us back to the house and then barreled past us into the house. Um, which we were, which we were staying in, and then found all the other people in the house, and was like, "Friends, hello, friends!" <laughs> and then it had to like carried out of the house, peeing, you know, and um, like we had to find its owners. And what had happened was its owners had, had like left uh, for the day, and it had got out of the house but couldn't get back in. So oh. I think we were the first people it had seen for a while, and it was just so it, it, maybe it thought that it was going to just be left to die, and so we were the first people it saw, <laughs> and it was just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but uh, that yes, reminds that's me. basically me. Jamie, did you see any cats in Japan? Yeah, one lived with us. Neko. Her name was uh, uh, Kitty Yako. Kitty Yako. And she was like the honorary cat geisha. Nice. We went to this little town called uh, Iwakuni. It's really close to Hiroshima. And there's this park where you can go to. And there's just cats everywhere. So we were just like spent an afternoon chasing after these cats. And some of them were nice and let us pet them. And some of them weren't. Did you go to Miyajima then? Yes, we did. Miyajima yeah, has the deer. deer. Well, okay, if you go, yeah, to, if so you go to Nara, uh, Nara has deer that are very, very nice because there's like vendors that will sell you food to give them. Mm-hmm. And then the deer in Miyajima, you're not supposed to pet them, so it's like they're mm-hmm. kind of a little bit more aloof. But they'll yeah, still take they your ate food. my clothes. <laughs> they took a big bite out of one of my about my trouser leg, and I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> did you climb the mountain in Miyajima? No, uh, oh, it's actually, so did cool I? up there. I did a really no, stupid thing up there. At the top, there's like this, there's a bunch of giant boulders, and I climbed up one, and then there was like a like a seven foot gap between the next one, so I jumped it, and then every, like everyone just parkour. screamed. Yeah, I was doing parkour up there. It was great. Uh, I'm glad I didn't break my legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that's uh, that so sounds. Awesome. I don't think I've got any more questions, so I think we can call it a wrap. Awesome. Yeah, people are, people are just saying that I'm lost. Like, I, I don't know. I think so, I might have just phased out. It is very late here. Like, space now. next time, Tom, you can be the one that does the antisocial times, and we can do it at, like, UK times. No, that's totally cool. I mean, if it's, like, evening in the UK, it'll just be afternoon for me. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's not. If you guys really want to, like, put the hammer down, then schedule it for, like, 11 a.m. UK time. Then I'll have yeah, to get I mean, like, <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> But then we'll have to get up early. Would you guys get up at noon? I mean, I am a student. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> no, I try to get up at seven these days. I'm not quite at your level of getting up at six o'clock in the morning. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually I'm doing an experiment for the next two weeks, and this ties into something that a few people were asking um, about, like timetabling and trying to like maximize my efficiency. So for the next two weeks, I'm going to try and set myself a school-like timetable every day from um, 8 o'clock in the morning, which is when I go to the gym, until 11 o'clock, which is when I need to go to bed and start reading Game of Thrones again. And like, just try that for two weeks and see if that improves my productivity, and I will report back. Maybe next time we do a live stream, we can talk about whether like I was improving my productivity by doing that. That would be awesome. Uh, I have a couple suggestions for you with that. So if, if you're going to block out your schedule, um, record the time that it actually takes you to do each thing. So that way, like you're, you're you're essentially developing what's called like a fudge ratio, because we're bad at estimating the time that it will take to do things. So 
if you record how long it takes you to do things, then when you make the next timetable, you'll be like more accurate in estimating how long it'll take you to do it again. Okay. That's so I, I found that I can, if I time box and I'm accurate at my time boxing, it works pretty well. But if I'm, if I'm like overconfident, then I'll get like two or three done. That'll be like, oh man, it's three o'clock and I was supposed to be done with these things at noon. I'm just yeah. going to go play Splatoon. <laughs> yeah. I feel like maybe we should start doing some gaming stuff as well because, like, I mean, you, you, we're all gamers in different ways, really. Jamie, Jamie what, you, you play quite different stuff than me, don't you? I think so. Like, what's your sort of game of choice at the moment? Um, at the moment, it's more on a mobile app. Um, so, Black is a game I really like at the moment, and it's really, really cool. Um, so, I've only got 3% battery on my laptop left, so if I die, I'm sorry. But it's a really cool game. So you have to pop the colored ones, and you draw a line, and then the line recreates the path. Oh, I've so heard it's of like that. basically doing an algorithm. Yeah, it's such a good game, and then the puzzles get more and more complex. It's beautiful. Oh wow! Yeah. That's uh, the game yeah. I play. Sure. Well, if you're if you're on three percent, we probably actually better finally wrap <laughs> this up for the, yeah. for the good people that really need you. Uh, Thank you very much, everyone, for watching us. Like, I'm, I think I might post a chart of like all the countries that are involved in this because we've got some. Uh, yeah, we've covered. I think. Uh, I think we might have actually covered all the continents apart from Antarctica. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, thank you very much for watching. Uh, we've really enjoyed this. I mean, I have. I'm, I'm speaking for you guys. So <laughs> we all have enjoyed this, haven't we? Yeah, it's been alright. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for hosting us on your channel, Simon. Ten out of ten, yeah, it was okay. Well, next time <laughs> we'll do another one of these, and it'll be on either Jamie's or Tom's channels. We'll, we'll work out uh, when that's going to be and where it's going to be. But um, yeah, thank you very much for watching, everyone, and we will see you sometime soon. Leave comments um, and like and favorite oh. and, and subscribe and do all the YouTube tasks that you know we ask you to do at the end of all of our videos. And uh, we'll friends see you soon. Pete friends, I'll get you guys in my top eight. <laughs> no, don't do that. I'm pretty sure my Vivo profile is still out there, and it's probably awful. I uh, wish I could remember. I used to have a Zanga. I wish I could remember the name the name of it, but I don't. It's sad. <laughs> okay, right. Let's actually clock off. Thanks right, very much guys. for watching, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye. All right, guys. So that wraps up the replay. I think this is the longest episode of the podcast I've ever done. So thanks for listening. If you're still listening, you can find those show notes once again at cigpodcast.com. Find the episode 77 link on the page. Definitely check out Simon and Jamie's channels. They have a lot of great content in there. And if you want to find my favorite resources for improving your college experience, you can find all that over at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. So thanks for listening. I'll see you next week and stay cute.